Here we are, Clay, to talk about the seventh, which continues the long tradition of Star Trek uh, making every accountant go crazy by misnumbering something and then having to realize that you've actually misnumbered something and it means something mm-hmm. tremendously different. So in uh, the most famous example is The Wrath of Khan, where SETI Alpha 5 is not actually SETI Alpha 5 or whatever. SETI Alpha 6, by mistake. <laughs> and uh, I, guess, I guess it goes towards highlighting the uh, the issue with naming in general in Star Trek and stuff like that, where the number it's just the, the star system and then the number of the planet, which I guess can lead to a lot of accidents uh, going down the line. The seventh doesn't you, deal with that, though. As you can see from that one example, there is a wealth of examples of that we can dig into. We could do a whole podcast on that. What episode is, is this the seventh episode of the season? Yep, though? yep, it is. Got it right there. <laughs> That's how you remember this one. When, when we yeah. do our year-end wrap-up and I say, Clay, which one did you like? You're like, I liked the seventh episode. That was, yeah, that was I feel excellent. like I would say that completely off, uh, you know, facetiously and not realize <laughs> that that was the actual name of the episode. Let's uh, take a break. We'll come back. We'll play a clip and then we'll come back and we'll break down the seventh, which is the seventh episode. They wanted to rehabilitate me. Bring me home. Flatten my forehead and repoint my ears. They wanted to teach me to forget the life they had taught me so carefully how to live. They assumed I had become corrupt and that left to my own devices, I would remain corrupt. The seventh is the seventh episode of the second season of Star Trek Enterprise. It came out on November 6, 2002, written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, directed by David Livingston. In-universe date is unknown, but it's 2152. In this episode, T'Pol asks Archer to accompany her on a top-secret mission to capture a fugitive that has eluded the Vulcan High Command for nearly two decades. Clay, before we mm. get into this one, um, I think you know when we're in the midst of doing this podcast and there are like 7,000... Star Trek episodes. I think it's easy to get lost in the seventh thousand, seventh thousand episodes, seventh thousand. Um, I think it's easy to get like lost in the the morass, basically, like to get lost in the 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 grand scheme of things. So I think it's occasionally important that we recognize where we are in history and things like that. Seventh um, episode. The seventh episode. Not only is this, in my opinion. We'll see what you say. The worst Enterprise episode today. <laughs> this this if someone put this on a top ten worst of all Star Trek episodes, I'd say that probably mm-hmm. is okay. That's like mm-hmm. it's not a crazy thing for me to say that that belongs there. I thought this was awful, awful, mm. and like historically awful for Star Trek. Um, I don't know what you thought about it though. Um, I had a really weird roller coaster ride watching this because. There were parts of it where I was, I legitimately didn't know how I was feeling about it because there were parts of it, mostly the Bruce Davison parts, where I was like, I think I actually like this because he was great. He's great. All of his monologues, he was fantastic. He was making me believe every single word of it. But then as I'm watching this, I'm thinking like, why the fuck are they telling this story? Why does T'Pol really need to have this weird dark backstory about killing a possibly innocent man it seems like she's being written completely out of character um and it's like top to bottom full of my least one of my least favorite things that i'm sure everybody knows at this point which is talking about people and events that you don't actually see on screen as though we're supposed to care about them i thought you were going to go with the other enterprise uh, special which is a mystery because people don't tell anybody anything it's a yeah, myst- it's an artificial too. mystery yeah. because no one says what's going on even though they know yeah. what's going on it's it's got a lot of squares filled up on the bingo card of things that i don't like um but for some reason as i was watching it i was like do i really like this and then about halfway through i was like no i think this is really bad <laughs> <laughs> i think this is terrible i thought this was this is my favorite part my favorite absolute favorite thing about this episode though is that um she's going down to chase this guy with with mayweather and she sidles up to to archer and is like can you please come with me i need someone i can trust and i just can't <laughs> not I, this mayweather black guy is not that person. <laughs> no. and then they, they just like he's this the guy that they get is supposed to be this like 
super criminal or something. Arms, and de- arms dealer, just basically, like, yeah. They just yeah. like leave him alone with Mayweather <laughs> while they go and talk for 20 minutes. And yeah, of course they come back and the bar's on it's fire. On fire. <laughs> <laughs> Mayweather is just like, well, what are you going to do? <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I have a lot to say about Mayweather in this. I, if I was, um, If I was the actor who plays Mayweather, I forget his name at this point. It's something Anthony or something like that. Um, I would be... I would be starting to become offended by my usage in this one. He is, he's, there's no reason for him to go on this mission at all. And if you're no. going to write him as if he needs to go, why does he not say anything? All he does in this one is Archer's like, go check the life support. And he goes, okay. And he walks off. It's like, go do this. I thought, I thought he was going to stay in the ship or something. I thought he was going to stay in the, uh, in the shuttlecraft, which is why she asked Archer to come. Right. She wanted she needs someone else two. to go with her. No, he goes. Yeah. And, but like so many of the shots, it's Archer and Paul, and he's just in the background. He's like in bokeh, you know. He's like blurred out because he's not relevant not to be actually in the shot. And yeah. if I was him, I'd just be like, guys, why, why did you even write me into the scene? Like, I, I'm happy getting paid and not coming in to shoot anything. Like, you can continue to do that if you want, but why am I just here? I've got a, I've got a bagel over there that's getting cold. <laughs> if you don't need me, I'm gonna go eat that bagel. Yeah, the the thing about not trusting uh, Mayweather. The the only thing that in a the the only thing that I found somewhat interesting about this, and it has nothing to do with the production, uh, because this happened twenty years later. This was weirdly topical in the current debate about police conduct, where Tapal shoots a guy mm. going for his weapon, and then the other thing is she shoots a guy running away at the very end. You know, like that's right. that, like that's the yeah. thing that happened to that. Shoots him in the back. Yeah, yeah, shoots him in the back. I forget that guy's name. <coughs> Um, there's a lot of people who've been shot in the back by cops, obviously, but like the, they, they, oh, I thought you meant the character in the show. I was going to like, they say his name like a thousand times. No, yeah, I, I, still, I don't remember. It never, it never sticks because it's not someone I've never heard of. Before. Oh, it's, uh, it's not Midas, Minos, something like this. Minos, Minos, ah, Minos, the hands of fate. Yes. That, but that's the only thing that I pulled away from this. I was like, wow, this is a weirdly, um, touchy quote unquote mm-hmm. in today's context where like, if you dig into this, it's just about like the lengths that T'Pol is willing to go, but that's going to tie into more of like Archer's characterization, which makes no goddamn sense in this episode. Um, my, 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 I'll throw it to you after I say this. So the, I think the problem with Enterprise for me as a series to this point is that, um, well, all the other Star Trek series, the ones that we've covered, you can kind of say the problems with them are conceptual on some level like TOS when it mm-hmm. got bad well TOS is different TOS when it got bad was because of budget cuts and because people started getting fired in the third season and stuff and so it all went downhill no one they knew the show wasn't continuing so I don't think people really cared at that point and mm-hmm. TNG uh, it's rough start was in the uh, it's rough patch was in the beginning when they didn't know how to write TNG they just tried to reboot TOS and it didn't work just for a combination of stories and characterization and like modern TV structure didn't work with it DS9 was bad in the start because they didn't know what they had. They tried to do a TNG thing and it wasn't working and they took a couple seasons to get into what they wanted it to be. Uh, we haven't done Voyager yet, but en- Voyager is probably the start of this. Enterprise, to me, it's it's clear that the people leading this production don't care about this series. They just don't care, which mm. which makes it very difficult to talk about. And people are going to say that like it's like, oh, you guys have a whole bunch of Enterprise to get through. The reason Enterprise to me is so discouraging is because Berman and Braga clearly don't care. They don't they don't care about any of this stuff. Like these these stories are so trite and stupid. And you like it's it's the bare bones necessity of a story that they've written mm. into a script and there's nothing on top of it. And that oral history I read, people are just saying like they just see they didn't want to say bad things about Braga, but it's like he was either tired or he's just worn out. He's been doing this for a decade, he doesn't want to do it. But at that point, it's more cynical to me. It's like he they just took it as a paycheck. You know, it's like right. it's not like he could have got a job doing something else. So I don't know why he came back to do this. But I um I'll throw it to you just by saying that the seventh is a clusterfuck of a script. I don't understand anything mm-hmm. that goes on in here. Like I I fundamentally understand everything that happens, but at the same time, I don't know why any of the characters are acting this way. I don't understand any of the side plots. I don't understand any of the motivations. I don't understand why Tapal acts this way. I don't understand why Archer acts the way that he does. And I don't understand why Mayweather Mayweather is on the mission in the first place. But what say you about this? You said you liked it until halfway and then something changed for you. Well, it was the kind of thing where I was like, I guess I've been trying to come into these... <clears throat> Sorry, cough is starting early today. Um, 
I've been trying to come into these with an open mind because I feel like we've been particularly negative on a lot of them. And so I try to clear the slate every time a new episode starts. And for the first, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, I was like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. Secret plot, going to go down, do X, Y, and Z, sure. But then, and you know, then Bruce Davidson shows up and I'm like, oh, all right. This, I, the stuff he's saying, it's he's making me believe it, even though I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Yep. And then after that point, once they just start getting into this and like T'Pol starts getting like, starts shaking like my dog when, she, when he's afraid of lightning <laughs> for no reason. Uh, and it just, yeah, it just really falls apart. And then this, the, the B plot of trip being the acting captain and not having his lunch interrupted cause he can't make any decisions yep. and pretending to be Archer so he can get a message about a, uh, a water polo uh, game, water polo match. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then like all of this heavy drama, centered on this thing that T'Pol apparently did that we had no idea about, which really has no impact on her character or, or like, you know, throwing around a lot of names of people we've never seen. It's just like, I, and, and you know, then it turns into like a gun battle at the end. Cause they got to do something. And then ultimately it turns out that she was, she was right to shoot that. You were saying the thing about shooting him in the back being fair, uh, fairly topical. They even go so far as to do the thing where it's like, well, he had a knife. So yeah. Yeah. we, it's right that we shot him in the back. Um, but the thing that about that, that I, th- I found was very funny was like, I assume she stunned him, shot him with the stun gun. Right. She didn't do it the first right? time, though. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I don't know why they just didn't, like, <laughs> the whole time they're arguing about what to do with this guy in my head. I'm just like, stunt, Archer, shoot the fucking guy with the stun gun. Yeah. Knock him. Do something. You're just, you're arguing. Like, Archer's thing that he's saying to T'Pol is not incorrect. He's like, listen, you're not here to judge this guy. You're just here to get him. Let's get him and go. And she can't even like wrap her brain around that to take that that initial step. And I mean, obviously, I'm sure you could dig into like, you know, the ethics of that or whatever. But, um, but why? I guess that's a good jumping off point. I don't understand Archer in this episode, or if mm-hmm. I do understand him, he seems totally backwards to what a Starfleet captain is supposed to represent. Why? Why is Archer's position the unnuanced? Listen, don't think about what you're doing. Just fucking shoot this guy and let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, that's not. That doesn't seem like it. That's not the captain's point of view in these shows, really. Or if it is, it's the other Archer thing of like he's not wrong for some reason. He has complete moral clarity about what mm-hmm. the right thing to do is, and then he's justified at the end because they uncover. Well, the guy actually did have biological weapons, so it's a good thing that we did this. He was just telling right. a lie, so that undercuts any kind of. Biological weapons that looked a lot like when they opened it, it looked like he just had a mini fridge full of energy drinks. Right. It was like a gamer's gamer's refrigerator or something like that, just filled with Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew code green. (laughs) Shoot him in the back. They they just, they undermine the Minos character there by flipping it into this thing where it's like, well, actually he was kind of a shithead. I guess this is the right thing to do. They Mm. cement Archer as knowing the right thing to do with no evidence. It's Archer again, acting with zero evidence of anything, any kind that he has and not believing to Paul. And I I don't, I don't understand what's served by that. Like you, the the way that this all wraps up, the whole journey has been negated because Mm -hmm. nothing wrong happened. There was no, they were operating in confusion, but they clarified everything by the end, and they did the right thing. So it's like, well, mm. there was no there was no conflict really. It's just about T'Pol's internal turmoil. But there's so much to complain about. Like I don't understand T'Pol's characterization here because she's not acting I like thought, a Vulcan. I don't, under, I don't I understand. I thought it was going to be. I was. I thought it was going to be that she had some sort of relationship with this guy because mm-hmm. it was like I. We. I had just watched the episode of Community where uh, Britta's ex, uh, Carney, creepy Carney ex boyfriend comes back <laughs> yeah. that she can't resist for some reason. So she's like, "I need you to lock me in the bedroom and don't let me answer texts from this guy." That's the way that T'Pol was acting. I thought it was going to be like I can't be left alone with him because his he has such sway over me that I just yeah. my bodice just explodes every time I see him. Yeah. Uh, but no, it wasn't that. It was, it was something else. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she just she feels bad about killing that other guy who was mm-hmm. going to kill her. 
he was he was going to shoot her with a gun. I assume not on stun because he is a criminal at that point or something. But it's right. it's like they don't even the episode in the flashback where she's running through the yellow jungle. It shows the guy <laughs> going for his gun. So it's not right. like there's a question of like, is this all in her memory or like, what's the truth here? Archer's apparently seen the flashback. He's like, I'm sure that guy was going for his gun. You were right to shoot him. So the, <laughs> yeah, so Archer, <laughs> Archer saw the same footage we saw. He's like, he was clearly going for his gun to Paul. I saw it. It's it's just, you know, the, any anything there that you can make interesting, like it could have been a how, how to Paul's memory was fuzzy and she doesn't remember. Yeah. She doesn't know. She doesn't know what the right thing to do is. But they don't do that. They they spell everything out for you and then it all just it all just wipes the board at the end of it. Well, you know, I, I think what they were doing was, I think they were going for the, the, uh, the gray moral area that deep space nine gets into very effectively, but they didn't go all the way with it. They just, they, they kind of pussyfooted around with it because there's some stuff in there. That's actually kind of interesting that in the context of the episode never gets explored and doesn't make a ton of sense. For instance, in addition to all these flashback, flashbacks, memories she's having, she's also having flashback memories to some Vulcan ceremony her that they performed wipe. on her yeah, to, her, yeah. yeah, like wipe the memory of it or wipe the emotions away. And they try to get into this idea about her needing to, like, it was such a traumatic event and Vulcans aren't supposed to have these emotions. So it had to be expunged from her being, but it's coming back and all that kind of shit, which is kind of interesting. Like on a just like a macro level, yeah. But I, I don't uh, buy the it. way. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I both think it's not true to what the Vulcans are supposed to be, which is maybe another example of like this series doesn't. If the series is doing something with the Vulcans, it's not explaining that to the audience that that's what's going on. So they come across as she's incredibly emotional this entire time, mm. like the entire episode before she even realizes that um, there was a mind wipe. She's like shaking. She's like, I gotta get this fucking guy. Like, it's like, what, what's going on? And the the mind wipe ceremony, I under, I understand killing someone is probably a traumatic thing. However, she had been a Secret Service 007 agent into this. This is the first mm. guy she's ever killed. You're telling me they sent some woman out who's like not trained in any of this to hunt down these criminals and she shoots them and then has a mental breakdown from it. I just, I don't buy that that, impacts vulcans that way i i, I like mm. just it, maybe if this was like she accidentally wiped out an entire planet maybe that's a level of sadness that even would crack like uh Sarek or something like that but sure. just one guy who's going to kill you what what what, what are we talking yeah. about it's strange yeah <clears throat> yeah it's um it's it's and like they get into <clears throat> the stuff that Bruce Dav- Bruce Davidson gives like a couple fairly long monologues like i was saying he really kills it but you know as as i'm watching this i'm like i'm trying to pay attention to the stuff that he's saying and i'm like i don't i don't understand what any of this is taught like he, he, he like he's he was a vulcan who was a smuggler or whatever and in order to hide his appearance he like filed down his ears no and they this weird the vulcans sent 110 secret undercover vulcans. oh he's under he's under agent oh under secret so they sent them agent. to this planet to all of this is far more interesting than what the episode does. So the Vulcans send this secret cabal of Vulcan agents to a planet that they're trying to reform from the inside. So right. they are violating the prime directive, sort of. They probably they knew them, but they're they're doing some like shady, underhanded uh, political business to sort of bring this planet into line with what the Vulcans mm-hmm. want. He got a taste of the criminal life and liked it enough, so he refused mm. to come back. And now the Vulcans have to go hunt down their own agents and which is what Paul was sent there to do. So he's sure. been surgically altered to look like one of these people or whatever, but his, well, I, his, I, th- I think he, he did that to himself though. Well, I think they all did because all the Vulcans had to go undercover when they were sent to that planet. So, oh, okay. Well, the, the, what I was getting to is he starts talking about in his, in his monologue about how they want to take him back and they want to smooth out his forehead and put the, the points back on his ears and stuff. And I'm, and I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? The, like the Vulcans want I, him I, to be a Vulcan again, which I his fake story is more interesting than the real story that happened to him. Yeah, so if he's sure. like, I don't want to be a Vulcan anymore, it's almost a um, I mean to tie this into more, it's almost like a transgender argument. He's like, they are they're not recognizing me as um, 
what I am, which is not a Vulcan. I don't want to be a Vulcan like this. And it's like they're mm-hmm. forcing me to adopt to what I what they see as like the real me, basically. And his his argument that he's pushing back against the Vulcans, you'd think would get some sympathy from Archer, who hates the Vulcan High Command, but he yeah, doesn't care true. about it. So it's all disconnected. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh it's just like uh, the stuff that he was saying I was I was into like you say like that stuff was interesting and I uh, even though he was talking about stuff that I I didn't know what it had to do with anything at that point um but yeah it, it's the the rest of the episode is just so like I I can't tell you how much I dislike t- people who talk about characters and events that that you don't ever see in such like uh earnest import melodramatic melodramatic and like give you like plot points that revolve around this stuff where it's like oh no what you didn't know is that the name that i mentioned 10 minutes ago actually did this instead of this even though we didn't see that it's like oh okay cool yeah I'm what playing. Does that um, have to do with it? I'm playing Final Fantasy Tactics right now, replaying it, and the game story is full of that. It's full of plot Ugh. of character names that you never meet the character, so you just have to remember them. Sort of like the mind needs to associate an image of a person with a name for you to really right. latch onto it. Otherwise, it's just like this is just meaningless information. But yeah, he's the entire motivations of these characters is told to you through those two talking to each other. So right, you don't get any sense of um where the betrayal comes from or what Minos is actually thinking. It's just name after name of him looking like this person and the Vulcan High Command wants him. So that your mm-hmm. whole, the whole thing that pins you to this is that you're supposed to feel attachment to Paul needing to do a job, but you don't understand whether or not the job she's doing is a good thing or a bad thing because you have no mm-hmm. insight into Minos whatsoever as a character right. outside of him just talking and- about it. And they also, they like you were saying at, at the beginning, the other thing they do that they do all the time in enterprise is they uh, explicitly hold information back in order to create this false sense of mystery. And then when they reveal the, the, the answer to the mystery, it doesn't really change anything. It doesn't make it any more interesting where like in this episode, if she had just been completely upfront with Archer and laid everything out, I think that makes for a more interesting episode because now at least, you know, you understand the headspace to Paul is in as far as her, wavering as as far as what to do with this guy um and so it 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 helps you narratively grasp on to what they're trying to tell you instead of just having her freaking out for 25 minutes and then she's like oh i i shot this guy and i didn't know if i should have shot him so i don't know if this guy's a bad guy it's like well if you told us that at the start at least we would have an inroad to the story you're trying to tell but you deliberately made it uh uh you deliberately um, held back the information and uh, tried to create intrigue based on nothing. Yeah. It would Whereas, have eliminated your... Um, I had the same problem where it, if you don't know why T'Pol is conflicted, it seems like it's a romantic or a mentorship relationship. Like she's had that... Yeah. She had that yeah. fallen hero episode where it's like she was upset in that one because she had a personal relationship with this person that it wasn't a great episode, but it impacted that. So here... By not explaining that, you go in thinking to Paul has some personal thing with this guy. This guy is important, mm, but it's not yeah, about that exactly. guy. That guy could have been anybody, no. and she would still have the same problem with it. Yeah, he just happened to be the other guy who was there. Yeah, when she shot that dude. Yeah, uh, I th- yeah I thought I thought it was like he was some super dangerous whatever. Yeah, like he, they either had some sort of relationship or he was just that dangerous. Yeah, uh, but no, he just happened to be the other guy who was there, so it's just like personally damaging to her to deal with it. it yeah, it's, it's and it's it's strange to me that <clears throat> that to Paul, out of everybody, seems to be the one so often keeping crucial information from everybody else that would really help everybody else understand what was going on. Yeah. Fits with the Vulcans um, of this series though. Like flawed. Yeah. And if you want to say it's a flawed thing, that does seem to be it's the Vulcans don't consider it worthwhile to tell people things unless it's necessary. I would argue to Paul tell doesn't tell people stuff that is necessary to, to continue right. on. Yeah. Like if you want to just go from like a, a, a Vulcan logical standpoint, it's like, is there anything more logical than explaining to Archer why you need him to come with you on this mission? Right. It's like here's here's what happened. Here's the situation. 
I don't know if I can make this decision on my my own because of where my headspace is. Yeah, I, I need, need a, someone. I, I, I can need trust. an impartial third party here to help me right. figure this out. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, the, and and they do it throughout the whole. Ep- it's not even. It's almost like they realize they're doing it too yeah. because. They can't tell Archer about anything, and then Trip is asking what's going on. And he can't tell. He doesn't even tell Trip after they're done. There's a lot. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff going <laughs> they wanna, on. They, wanna, they might have to uh, bring this story back at a future point. Yeah. We can't have Trip knowing. And yeah. even like, what was what was up with the? There was there was a certain point where where T'Pol's trying to convince Archer to go with him, with her, and and uh, and he's like, ah, so. The Vulcan High Command wants you to go, and she's like, "No, this is an order from Starfleet." And he's like, "What?" Like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't tracking that either. So it was Starfleet that sent her off to, well, to get this guy. No, uh, I think it's just a technicality thing. So the Vulcan High Command wants her to do that. The Vulcan High Command asked or told, however you want to look at it, told Starfleet, the Admiral, to order Archer to bring to Paul to that place. Oh. So they, they have to just it's just like a level of technical like chain oh, of command see. stuff yeah. where they have to tell Archer to do something and she knew about it first because the Vulcan High Command told her, knowing that they were gonna be able to tell Starfleet what to do. I mean Sure. The point point is this it's all just like piling on these technical things that doesn't really help your story yeah, at all. Yeah. And the keeping it a mystery, right? There there like is like I I'm sorry, I just I just I can't I, I always find hilarious and can't really get behind when the answer to a story problem is, well, what if we put more technical jargon on? Mm-hmm. Like, well, as as long as we explain the paperwork involved in this trip, then everybody's gonna be on board. So, no, that's not really how these things work. The um the thing about it is that it's confused enough, but there is a way to sort of thread this needle, or at least do you can cut out things to make it a little bit better. So to Paul, to Paul not telling Archer anything at the start only makes sense if Minos's revelation that the Vulcans have been interfering with other planets is the linchpin to this whole story, right? Where the Vulcan High Command is like, Archer, can't, Archer and Starfleet can't know about this because this is not on the up and up, what the Vulcans are doing to this other planet, right? right? At that mm-hmm. point, it makes sense that Paul can't tell him. But that's not the concern because Minos tells them that immediately when he sees them. Like there's no there's no revelation that this is a big deal. None of the characters even treat this like it's a big deal. It's just like, yeah, the Vulcans interfere with other planets. That's just kind of what they do. Um, you know, you clarify that by just either cutting that out or making it the focal point of what your actual plot is. It's just I think that the to Paul's to Paul's story here is supposed to be the central thing. And I don't think that there is a good enough focus on Paul, what she's either going through or why she feels this way or why it's this horrible of a breakdown or on the resolution where she as a character admits in the script she needs Archer to help her do this so she can't even come to grips with it. And then it ends with Archer standing over over behind her whispering in her ear, shoot this motherfucker, shoot yeah. him in the back and take him down. <clears throat> and then they do. And it's... It's this continually weakness of writing to Paul, where I don't feel like to Paul is developing independently of anything. It's not like she's um, sort of got her own agency in a lot of sense. She's just mm. she needs Archer to tell her what to do, and Archer knows for some reason. It's it's just so strange. Yeah, it's um, terrible. It almost feels episode. like sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it almost feels like to me. This should have been. I, I think what probably should have happened to really make the story they're trying to tell be as effective as possible is to Paul explains in some way or another to Archer what's going on and why she needs him to come down to the planet with her. They do what they're doing, X, Y, and Z. Uh, the guy breaks out for. <laughs> First of all, when the guy when the guy sets the bar on fire and then oh my god. So he sets the bar on fire by knocking a candle over it and is going to burn himself to death. But then in order to save him from burning, they unhook him from both handcuffs so he can run away and you know he's gone cuz both handcuffs are on the ground. Uh to Paul at the very least is a terrible police officer. Um, and then they show this this exterior shot of where they are, which is like a bar burning on the side of a mountain with like this 
very limited amount of space before it drops off into a ravine where all these ships are are are, are parked. Yeah, and then they 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 run outside and they're like, "Where could he possibly? He could be anywhere." It's like, no, there's like three, there's two <laughs> ships left in the parking lot. He's not in your ship. He's probably in his ship. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, when he escapes, I think what should happen is Tapal should become separated from Archer. So she should end up isolated with this guy. So she now has to go one-on-one with this guy and make her own decision about what's going on, independent of Archer telling her to shoot him in the back or whatever. Because that's ultimately what's what's going on here, right? Is she's she's brought this safety mechanism, this this uh, crutch with her. So in order for her to really get into the the meat of what they're trying to deal with, you got to take the crutch away. Mm-hmm. She has to be presented with the thing she's afraid of, which they never really do, like to a satisfying degree. Which is why I'm talking about like they don't go all the way with it. It's like imagine the uh, the episode of Deep Space Nine where uh, Kira is interrogating the, uh, the light, not duet, but the, the light, not duet, the, light but the in the other dark, one. the one with the deformed Cardassian yeah. that blew up in a bomb or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that episode, but like Cisco is there the whole time. Saying to Kira, Tell- no, you're doing the right thing. You should kill <laughs> this guy. He's giving her the questions you know, that she's supposed to ask. He's like, ask him about the th- the bomb that blew up. He's like, what about that? Yeah, bomb. That would be yeah, terrible. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just it's just very uh, noncommittal to the to the stories that it wants wants to tell. And i I think I think one of the things that's that's really starting to come out in this show, and i I wonder if it's a if it's a symptom of the time, or if it's a symptom of what you're saying, where the guys running the show. Uh, aren't really into it. I well, the first thing they ch- let somebody else write a damn episode because their name Brandon uh, and Moore. Their na- not more uh, Berman. Their names are on every single script, and it's like if you back it up a little bit, maybe you'll get some new stuff coming out. But it feel it all feels very very safe. Ultimately, like they don't take a lot of narrative or thematic chances, and that's across the whole series. And I think that's probably one of the biggest subtlest failings of the show is that they play everything so safe yeah no it's um it feels to the detriment of your show because an episode like this where you could theoretically get into some really interesting murky waters ethically or morally they're like well we we can't do that we got to make sure we show that he's he's smuggling yeah he's poisonous energy drinks so shooting him in the back doesn't seem like she made the wrong decision like imagine i think the show improves drastically if you just never t- sh- tell if she made the right decision or not, you know, like if she shoots yeah. him in the back and they bring him back and like, that's the tag at the end is her being like, I know I made the right decision at this moment, but I don't know if I made the right decision in a larger, larger sense or something. Yeah. I I think the episode is so bad that even those fixes only gets you halfway to something. Sure. No, I'm not saying it makes it a, a, an A plus episode, but you know, it gives you something. Yeah. I, Cause I, to Paul's main problem, or to Paul's problem here, is that she feels guilty about killing this guy, and then there is that is supposed to trickle into whether or not Minos has done something wrong. Um, mm-hmm. It's more the only way that I think this episode is worth telling is if that Minos's rejection of being Vulcan is the central focal point of this. That's like the mm-hmm. only thing that's really remarkable or different about this, and. To have that sort of that pairs against what you want to consider to be at this point, it's 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 weak. But like to Paul's development is to be her humanization of spending time with humans. They keep mentioning that she's spent the most time with a human that a Vulcan ever has. Um, she's becoming more human. I think Archer has a line about something like that, and she's seeing this character who's rejected that is something that at least piques her interest or it Mm. does something within her. And then you can tie in this whole, if you want to do like a criminal aspect to it or something, but it's, it doesn't focus on to Paul, to Paul's inner conflict. Like the, the conflict is misplaced onto the, she feels bad about killing the other guy, but the other guy's not in this episode. I don't give a fuck about that guy. Who cares? So if you're, if the whole thing is her feeling bad and she doesn't want to kill the other guy, you can a fix that by setting your phaser to stun and shooting him in the back, or you can uh, recognize that the the actual conflict within T'Pol is more inner than that. I mean, mm. the, the she's she's obsessing about killing this one guy 
which is then translating into her being frozen on whether or not to even bring this guy in for questioning. Right. Like it's not it's not like she's been sent there to specifically murder him. Right. She's just bringing him back, which I mean I, I think there's probably dialogue in there where it's like, "Oh, well if you bring me back, it's as good as a death sentence or blah, blah. I'm, I'm sure there yep. it's in there. I don't remember yep. it, but um implication but, so being that like, DePaul knows she has to kill him, but that's not the case because DePaul never is forced to right. kill him. Yeah. Right. But it's a weird it's a weird one to one to try and make where it's like she's concerned about killing one guy, but in this situation, she's very much not doing that. So I, it, this is <laughs> this is like it's like if it's like if you killed one person and then you were afraid to even like go knock on this other person's door with your with your warrant afterwards just because you killed somebody else. Yeah. It's like I, if he opens the door I'm going to have to shoot him. I have no cho- you know it's not, that's not how it works. Right. It's it's like if I I mean it, it might be at this point I don't know. If but. you were terrified of going to the supermarket and it's like you're mm-hmm. just terrified to go to the supermarket and they're like all right here's a plot where you go to a gas station. And you you just think about being scared about going to a supermarket. It's like, well, what the f- who cares? Like, I'm not at a yeah. supermarket. This is not the same decision. Um, that's I, that to me. They is, both sell beef jerky, Wes. Maybe it's maybe it's just selling things is just triggering you enough that you'd be <laughs> upset by it or something. But yeah, that, that's crippled, the, crippled, crippling fear of commerce. Is this is this influenced by 9/11? Is there something to Archer's? If it is influenced by 9-11, what's the relationship here about just bring them in, right? If, so right. I, you could assume that maybe this is an Osama bin Laden reference. It's like, don't think about it, just do it. But at sure. that point, I don't know what that is saying comfortably about, is the show doubting? Like, if you want to continue this analogy, is the show doubting that Bin Laden is responsible? Like, I don't see any positive correlation you're doing here between 9-11 and this, besides Archer being extremely pro-do-what-you're-told, um, but he's the hero of the show, and then they do do what they're told? at the Like, they mm. do the thing that they were sent to do. I don't know. Do you, do you see any 9-11-ish aspect um, to this? Because this came out in 2000. Too. So this would have been this is like right before the invasion of Iraq and stuff like that. Uh, maybe a little bit. It seems like it's kind of a stretch, given the the, the stuff that they're dealing with. Because to Paul shooting someone and feeling bad about it, I don't know. I don't know if that stuff really has. If if it if it is meant to be that way, I don't think it's a very well thought out metaphor. I see it more through Archer than anything. I don't see it yeah. through to Paul. Um, I see it more through Archer's bizarre insistence that they got to do whatever, what you got to do. You got to do, don't think about it. Just do it. Just do it. We were told to do it. Just do it. And him being a hero of the show who is also right by it because the guy has biological weapons and they did the right thing by shooting him and taking him in. Um, They played this episode. I don't know if you knew this, but they played this episode on the floor of Congress right before they had the vote (laughs) to whether or not they should invade Iraq. (laughs) So shouldn't shouldn't the the story here be not that Tapal killed someone so now she's gun shy about getting this guy shouldn't it be that she didn't specifically didn't shoot this guy and letting him go caused the deaths of 100 people or something right like cuz cuz it, it it feels like it feels like the 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 problem here should be she is coming here with one thing in mind, which is to kill this guy. But she is not afraid to do that because the last, whether or not, if, if you go by what I just said, she doesn't know if she can do it. She doesn't know if she can pull the trigger on this guy. But if she doesn't pull the trigger on this guy, more people are going to die. Or you can flip it and I don't, like it, feels like, it feels like life or death needs to be the option here, mm-hmm. which is, but it's not. Because there was, and and, because if life or death is the option, ultimately, then Archer can be like, you know, the guns have a stun setting to Paul, and she's like, oh, well, shit, I didn't really, you know, yeah, like there, if life and death is the the initial option, then the solution to your problem is you find a third solution that doesn't involve killing him, right? Um, which you get to by working through your your issues. Um, Minos is too small of a character in that case. Like Minos is mm -hmm. too, you know, if. You'd have to increase his influence in that he becomes a Bin Laden-esque figurehead to something that's not a small-time cartel of selling arms or something. Like, he has to have a larger 
ideological impact on things to make it like taking him out is necessary because of like the influence that he peddles. But here the choice is so small and it's again, it's because it's not about him. It's about DePaul being scared to stun him. (laughs) You know, like you just run into that problem over and over again. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I think this one has a lot of, ultimately it's it's hard to find a tack to take with it because there's so many conflicting things all happening yeah that uh i don't even think they really know what they're trying to say right about anything um can i talk about a scene i did like sure the one good scene in this is mm-hmm. i did like trips lunch with flocks <laughs> and uh um, yeah, yeah. mostly because i i like when enterprise gets sort of silly and weird and the mm-hmm. thing about He's like, well, we have to inoculate people. Are there side effects? Yes, it's diarrhea. He's like, ooh, I don't want to make that call. <laughs> it's, it's, such a, it's such a small, weird, minor issue. And Flox is like, well, you don't want to hold off on inoculating people. We got to make a decision real soon. It's that whole, besides the fact that the trip subplot falls apart where all the Vulcan has to do is tell him a score in a water polo game. I thought that they were scared that the Vulcans were going to be like, where's where is everybody you know after right. yeah. I, I thought the ticking clock was that the vulcans were going to show up and they're ahead of schedule and trip has to delay them over and over but they're just like yeah you're captain archer yeah. they could why did they even need to talk to archer just be like give archer a message that your water polo game is over there's no right. reason to talk yeah. to him it's so yeah. it's so bizarre and trip is third in command on this ship why the fuck is, is he so nervous about making decisions about, about trip, anything trip has never more seemed like george w bush than when confronted <laughs> with public health and infrastructure <laughs> questions it's strange. Um, your favorite part? Did you have a favorite part? Um, I think the uh, the the Bruce Davidson stuff. He's, his he's monologues good. were great. Yeah, he's great. He was really good. It was arguably the best acting they've had on the show. Full stop. Um, because he he was like, I think in his mind he's like, I have a I have a potential. I could be the next Khan. Whereas it's like, <laughs> no, nah, you're just you're not coming back, bud. <laughs> Because uh, he was really going for it, he was uh, either either that or someone pulled him aside and were like, "Hey, this none of this stuff makes any sense. We really need you to do some heavy lifting here, yep. Bruce." Yeah, he's like, "Ah, no problem. <laughs> I was an X Men. <laughs> What's my motivation? Who cares?" No, Did he's see that he's, movie where I love the rats. That was a he's, good one. <laughs> he's very good. I think he's, that's the, him. he's probably the best part of this. That's out of that little trip scene or whatever. Yeah, it's um. It's a good character kind of wasted with a lack of motivation or a lack of anything interesting to go on with him. Um, <laughs> I, did, you know, I did also really like when they first get to the bar. Oh, no, actually, I, I will tell you what my favorite scene is. Um, well, when they first get to the bar and, and T'Pol is like in line for drinks or something and she turns around and he's there and she's like, Bleh! and jumps out of the way. <laughs> and then she turns around he's and he's gone and, they the do, and they, he's hiding underneath the table. <laughs> Way to take the mystery out of your villain by showing him like scurrying <laughs> under a table, cowering in fear. Under yeah, the, My, uh, uh, the seat belts around but, the feet to avoid the acid was yeah, also to a, avoid the acid. I was <laughs> just like, you can't Why go not? out there. There's acid. There's a quarter of an inch of acid. Well, this on the acid, ground. this acid can't burn through basic <laughs> nylon strapping. Um, no, my my favorite scene, my favorite thing about the episode, actually. Because it stood out so much for for an episode of Enterprise, was the bar because they did a lot of alien makeup work and yeah. they were not half-assing any of it. Yeah, there was a lot of work going on there, and I was I think that was part of what was tricking me into liking the episode at the beginning. Because when they got there, I was like, why would they put this much work into an ep- into this stuff if the rest of the episode was going to be shitty? Yeah. And then in retrospect, I was like, well, maybe they put a lot of work into the aliens because the rest of the episode was shitty. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, Enterprise does that well. It does the Mos Eisley uh, primitive Federation world stuff that they're running into that you assume has kind of been stamped out by the time of Next Generation because you never see it at that point. Mm. So it's this uh, sort of like seedy underbelly of the universe still exists in the Enterprise era. I, I think it would have been great. Well, I guess they've they've been to Riza at this point, so maybe it's old hat. But I was going to say, I think it would have been great if you're going to use Mayweather to have Mayweather be like taken aback at a bar full of so many different kinds of aliens because in the show they've only run into like six different kinds at this point. Yeah. Uh, But they've been to Riza. They've seen – oh, that's the other thing. I I kept getting – it kept throwing me off that this this rundown shootout scenario happened on Riza. 
Because every time she's like, it's back, what happened on Riza? And I was like, was she, what? Was she on vacation? <laughs> she tracked this guy, these guys down when they were having, they were at Hedonism 2 and shot one of them in the leg. He has some dumb line, too. He's like, how could such tragedy happen on the happiest place in the world? <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> who would have thought that this murder could happen at Disneyland? Terrible. All right, let's... um, Like the beginning of Face Off, where John Travolta and his son get shot while they're on a carousel. Yep. Never just for, like never that. forget keeps nope. coming around um let's take a break we'll take play a clip the, from the episode take nope. the scar off he, he they gets rid of the scar yep. at the end of the movie though because he's moved past he's the trauma he's healed yes uh we'll play a clip from the episode we'll take a break and we'll come back we'll read some pitch and thoughts and give our final thoughts about the seventh take his face off captain why did you want me here because I trust you. Then trust me. You were sent to apprehend him, not to judge him. All right. Thank you very much for listening, guys. If you want to support the show, in addition to listening, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. It's the best way to do so. You get extra podcasts, extra videos, extra commentary, extra polls, all that good stuff. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. As always, our Captain Tier supporters get a special thank you. Special thank you goes to Christian Pouch, Tark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Sean Garnell, Doomsday, Joint Mango, Matt Cutler, Ben Douglas, Neil Brennan, Cal Barrett, Samuel Custer, Nick Sergey, Bradley Killens, Matthew Ross, Vroon Bendler, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Andrew Sherlock, Grim Santo, Poindexter G, Dwayne Hackett, Jordan Cooper, Derek Zajac, Russell Elledge, Kevin Reyes, Vault 13 Hero, Stephen Minton, Darth Moss, H28, Mad Curry 6, Jacob123, Mike Harris, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Eric Santuan, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Timothy Cooley. Thank you very much. I would run across acid with seatbelts strapped around my feet for you guys. I think that's it. Let's do uh, some Patreon. Isn't it funny how that doesn't become an issue in the last third of the episode when they have to? Everybody's got to leave and run to their ships. It's never. It's never an issue. It's a weird yeah. thing that they even include it. <clears throat> I, I don't know. It's it's just so strange. Patreon it's comments. such a weird manufactured like. Uh, impediment to what they're doing well they have to they got to get this guy off so they have to get him we have to we have to get him off the planet so we got to bring him back to the ship okay well what we should make sure they can't get to the ship what should we do i don't know maybe they spray the spray the tarmac with acid yeah, have night. you guys ever de-iced a plane it's a huge pain in the ass <laughs> like yeah. you're sitting around on the tarmac for hours yeah so <laughs> do we look like a prison uh, so we'll just chain him to the table. And that, every every night to eat the snow off the ground, we cover it in in rattlesnakes. It's a, it's another, you know, in a in another episode where so the conflict the Enterprise just doesn't build on its conflict. So the conflict is there's no prison where they can store this guy. They're in a Mos Eisley criminal bar underbelly mm-hmm. place. They bring him into the bar. The only thing they can do is hold him in the bar until then. There is no conflict with any other criminals through that. You know, there's right. no one there's no one there who's like, who are you? Like, we don't care for bounty hunters or we don't care for whatever the hell you guys are. Like, there's no conflict or problem with them just chaining him to the table and having to sit there and wait for their plane to be de-iced. It's really strange. Right. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, patron comments. If you're a patron, you can leave thoughts about upcoming episodes and we read them. Thomas Darnell says, the seventh, I like a lot of things about this episode, but the Vulcans are way off model here. A matter of honor. I can't tell if Archer's response, how very Vulcan is supposed to be lampshading, how ridiculous that sounds, or to sell it. To Paul's trauma seems excessive, but taking it as read, there's the, uh, where there is logic in ever, where is the logic in ever exposing her to any part of that again? I like the trust between Archer and T'Pol, and I like the quiet, quiet competence of Travis taking up their slack. I don't get why Tucker, senior officer, department head, and second officer is so uncomfortable being in command. It's a weird storyline. Although I do like that he has the same reaction to underlings trying to talk business at the captain's mess as Archer did. It's a three for me. I noticed the honor thing, too. That stood out. And I was like, that doesn't... Doesn't make any sense. That doesn't seem like a Vulcan thing to me. No, doesn't make any <clears throat> sense. Because that's the other thing, too. It's like there's no, there's no personal connection or anything aside from the fact that she was trying to get this guy once and now she's got to finish the job i guess that's the only thing but i do agree that it seems illogical to send the person who's been traumatized by it yeah yeah it's just yeah it's it's just not effective i mean to, to send the person who's traumatized and also um 
what the hell is it? It's like you as an audience member have just been told that DePaul used to have this job. You know, it's not, it's not like it's some backstory that you're exposed to. It's just DePaul's right. like, yeah, 17 years ago, I used to work security, and this, this one guy got away. I got to go get him. It's like, nah, who cares? I also hate that stuff when it never comes back. You know, yeah. like you could do that with anybody. You could you could take Malcolm, you could take Reed aside and and uh, have an episode where he comes in and he's like, Archer, 15 years ago, before you ever knew me, I worked undercover on Klingon. I was the only human who had ever been there before. And it's like, what? Right. This this hasn't, hasn't come up before, and it's never going to come up again. So, <laughs> sure, whatever. Matt Ross says, the seventh, this episode makes no sense from the sleeper agent angle of the Vulcans to the fact that clearly the Vulcan they are looking for is obviously hiding biological weapons and then trips utter indecisiveness. You're not going to immediately act on a medical issue or any other ship business. And when Archer, T'Pol, and Mayweather come back, Archer still doesn't know the water polo score. Most of this episode, I can't really tell what the hell is going on with those weird flashbacks and misdirection. The low talking sluggishness, shadows, and general malaise makes this a slow and boring grind. Warp me out of here. Pointexter G says, much like T'Pol, I had forgotten most of this episode. We're getting back to the bland, not very good, but also not really terrible episodes. I disagree. Uh, editor's <laughs> commentary. The, Senate, uh, the story just doesn't engage me, despite a good guest performance and a very good performance from Jolene Blaylock. If you were to ask me my opinion, I'd have to say I'll get back to you. I, 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 it's, it, it's maybe a good performance by Jolene Blaylock, but it's not a good performance as to Paul. The char- yeah, it's, it's a poor character you know? showing. Yeah. yeah, but I did think she was good. I thought the scenes that she had with, with Bruce Davidson were good. A Latte Librarian says, I found myself asking why a lot during this episode, and I don't think I ever got an answer, except to the question of whether Trip is ready to be captain. He is not. Two biotoxins out of five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the thing that bothers me about these episodes where they or these stories where they just pull on stuff where you're they're explaining the real the the real events of shit that happened off screen with people that you never heard of and blah blah blah. The thing that always bothers me about that is it is it never gets down to what the story is about, right? All that stuff is ultimately trappings and like explaining stuff away. But it very rarely <clears throat> gets to the heart of what the theme of the story is. Like what what is your story really about? It's not about all that stuff. It's about what's happening here and now with the characters doing what they're doing. And <clears throat> excuse me. I feel like that's always the case and always should be the case. Like your the key to your story should very rarely be stuff that happened 25 years ago being viewed through a new lens. Yep. Unless that's the ultimate theme or whatever. But it's uh um I I feel like it's very easy to get caught up in that stuff as and make it seem like oh that's the story, right? It's like no, this, that's not the story. The story is the characters you have and the action they're taking now, not them musing on stuff that happened 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Barrett says, The seventh, an absolute insult and a disgrace. Chef serves bangers and mash with no gravy. How disgustingly dry does he want this meal? And don't get me started on the horrendous paste-like mashed potatoes. you got to fluff those bitches with a masher, and I bet that bastard didn't even add butter or milk. It makes me sick. Zero out of five. The food thing... Enterprise's food obsession is really strange. I don't know if that's supposed to be that this is a prequel and we need to see them eating things. But when Arch is like, DePaul goes in Arch's quarters at the start. He's like, would you like some toast? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just continuing. I'm, I'm continually or continuously, uh, either one, uh, amazed at the variety of menu they have on this ship. Yeah. Like, Chef's busy. I feel like they should be eating like MREs exclusively, yeah. Yep. You know, because <laughs> they don't have a replicator. I think you brought it up at one point. It's like, so do they just have like turkeys on board that they're killing for this stuff, or, or Chef, is it like, do they have a big froze lock-in walk-in freezer like in The Shining that they keep all their shit in or something? Chef's whole day is taken up by making the three personalized meals for Reed Flocks and Trip. Like, right. how much time yeah. does this guy have to be thrown together all this stuff? He makes three different meals. It's just everyone gets the same thing. We're making a big party platter. Everyone is having gnocchi and meatballs or whatever. Um, I actually don't know if you knew, but right now, one of the things they did predict is that what right now in the military, everybody on the ship can ask for whatever they want, and then they'll get it. Right. That's just how the military works. Is they've got <laughs> their menu is bottomless, and you can want well, one guy can get spaghetti. The other guy can get, you know, ice cream. A third guy can get a cheeseburger. Yeah, no problem. 
Do whatever you want. The, the skies are limitless. Woodrow says, The seventh archer is kind of a dick to start off this episode, gloating and taunting until you bow to his iron will or becoming his captain's traits. Two space Gatorades out of five. And then the final comment, Neil Brennan, Having never seen it before, I will forever associate Enterprise with the awful, awful year that is 2020. That seems fitting. I muted this mm. about halfway through and made some paprika sweet potato wedges, watched the viral Brad Pitt Jennifer Aniston video, and fed my dog his dinner. I came back, and it was still on and still boring. Zero bangers out of five. Honestly, not sure I can keep going, guys. Can't we just rewatch DS9 or Battlestar or The Expanse or anything? Sweet Lord, anything. Final if comment. you want, you can start leaving comments based on what you think the episode is about. <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be fun for me anyway. That's it. Thank you, patients, for leaving your thoughts and your comments. Um, ugh, stretch. Um, I tend to agree with Neil, certainly, and Kyle, zero out of five, I think is related just to the lack of gravy, but I will take him on, uh, take it as a serious score for the episode. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a, an accomplishment when we run into one of the worst Star Trek episodes I think I've ever seen. And this is, this is up there. This is another one for me. Uh, this is... Like a, a one with an asterisk because I, I want to remember where I was when I saw, yeah. like we were unhappy with Marauders last week. Right. And Marauders is mm-hmm. a one because it's like this is just so perfunctory. Like this is just so goddamn boring. This one is boring and makes no sense. It makes no sense. Nothing that happens in here makes any sense. And it's terrible. It's just so, yeah. so awful. It's worse than Marauders somehow. I um I was actually going to retroactively change my Marauders rating to a two because that is infinitely better of an episode than this um however i'm gonna stick with a one because honestly if i was gonna choose which one to you're gonna say yeah okay i'm also giving this one a one (laughs) uh but if i i'm gonna stick with a one for marauders because if i were to go back and have to choose between which ones to watch again i would choose this one 10 times out of 10 okay because I found Marauders is just so boring and trite, whereas this one at least you've got Bruce Davidson playing jazz over here <laughs> while everybody else is playing the recorder in, in school marching band. Yeah, i I think the, the i I would probably I would probably agree with you about that. I think that um, my score is just totally dependent on the construction of this as a TV episode, and I think that mm. Marauders is just it's boring as hell but it's like functional in the in the, the easiest right, way possible right. this yeah. one is confused i think it actually damages characters like to paul and archer in it like the, the what they choose to do here doesn't make any sense and it's not true to what they are i don't think it it opens up these whole can of worms about what to paul and her mind wipe and stuff like that none of this is ever going to matter it's just a really mm. a really bad episode this episodes like this are why i don't think i could ever be an actor on on a show like this because this is one where i would get the script and go like can i can we have a talk about this like if i like i would i would end up i would be like mayweather or something where i'm like not one of the leads but i'm on the show consistently and i'd be getting this thing going like i have some notes can i talk to where's where's brandon i need to talk to him <laughs> i have some cash then i would be very then i would be very quickly fired i think well, you they you know they back then they probably didn't have they were probably given printed versions of the scripts. I imagine now you'd probably send computer versions or something so that you can look at it. But I'm sure actors go in and control F their character's name to be like, oh man, how much is sure. in this? Mayweather yeah. probably got this one. He's like, oh my god, this is a Mayweather episode. Oh, I have yeah. two lines of dialogue. My name is just all over the uh, scene descriptions and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, I hate keep using this as an excuse, but obviously they're making 27 episodes of hour-long television. They got a lot of work to do. They can't all be fastballs over the plate. Mm-hmm. But this this feels like <laughs> this series is starting to feel like when a team is specifically trying to tank a season so they can get a high draft pick or yeah. something. Yeah, where it's like, yeah, we're trying, kinda. We're showing up to play. But uh, we're we're not uh, we're not trying to break any records or win any championships here. Yeah, yeah. No, just they're the, the uh, this this show is the the, the San Diego Padres. <laughs> no, the the Pirates, the Pittsburgh Pirates of of for the of uh, 
1990 through 2010. Yeah, it's it's uh, the Knicks of currently. It's got like it's semi gut yeah. cachet, but it's just like now we'd rather not be good, I guess. Um, yeah. It's the Cleveland Browns where they keep replacing their quarterback and hoping for the best, and it just never works. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash the Penske File. And otherwise, you can go to the Penske File.com for all of the other shows that are happening. Uh, Rotten Horror continues, Badass continues, Star Trek continues, Lower Decks coverage continues, and all that stuff. I guess that's pretty much it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, this past week we had a new Rotten Horror Picture Show. We were talking about Candyman, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, which is fun. Uh, tied you over until the next one comes out next year. We've got a new Bat-Ass coming out this week. Don't remember what episodes, but I'm sure they're good. Um, <clears throat> and we're pushing on Patreon to try to get, uh, reach a goal so Amanda and I can do some Patreon horror content for you guys so if you want to if you want to help us out you can head over to patreon.com slash the penske file and check out what we're trying to do over there yep it's a goal monetary goal a month once we get to that goal they'll start putting out a podcast a month so um good news for everybody there it'll probably it'll be at the five dollar tier if that helps motivate anybody um who's on the lower tier if they want to get bumped up to that but you'll increase your podcasts per month that's about it thank you very much guys for listening I think that's it. The next episode is something like the singularity, something like that. Is it the communicator? The communicator. The eighth. Is the, next one. the eighth. The eighth, eighth episode. episode. Just get cute with that at that point. Thank you very much. Let us know what you thought about the seventh. And I think we're all done. We'll see you next time with the communicator. See ya.